Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. It's extremely unusual for a team to be able to find the top left tackle on their board, the top quarterback on their board in a single draft. If those guys both work out, you'll look back on this one and say, holy cow, how did all the pieces fall into place? It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends Kristen Balboni, Will Bryan, and Darren Gant. Welcome to the Happy Half Hour. It's Will Bryan, Darren Gant with you. It is May, right? Yeah, it's May. It's when May did now. that happen? It, that we woke up and it turned to May, and we're, we sincerely apologize that we slept through April and didn't talk to y'all. Yeah, but here we are. So this is going to be like the uh, live concert album. We're going to go two and a half hours of the Happy Half Hour. As far as you know, Will's looking at me like, we're doing what? It's live action. It's live <laughs> I have, action. I have a meeting after this. I can't do that. <laughs> but here we are. We have a we have a full draft class. We have rookie minicamp starting in 48 hours. We have things to talk about, things to describe. Darren, where do you want to start? Again, it seems like it's it, there's so many things that have happened. But, I mean, we did cover the last time we visited. Uh, we did talk a lot about the free agents see class and all the blanks they filled in that way. I The thing I keep coming back to on this draft class is these things just don't happen. The Carolina Panthers mm-hmm. walked into a draft with only two real boxes to check off. They needed a left tackle and they needed a quarterback. Of course, simple as that. Sounds easy when you say it that way, but it's it's rare to be able to do one of those things in a draft. And again, I say this with the with the preface of, we don't know if these guys can play yet or not. We're pretty sure Iki Aquanu can. Jury's still out. We'll see what happens with Matt Corral. We'll see how Matt Corral develops. But it's extremely unusual for a team to be able to find the top left tackle on their board, the top t- quarterback on their board in a single draft. Yeah, it's It's pretty unheard of, to be honest with you. And uh, if those guys both work out, you'll look back on this one and say, holy cow, how did all the pieces fall into place? But to have gotten Nicky Aquanu sixth overall, if you only do that, it was a successful weekend because you roll your eyes at me every time I bring up Jeff Ota, but it's been since 2008 that mm-hmm. the Carolina Panthers have drafted a tackle in the first round. Not only did you draft a tackle – and they were kind of prepared to draft a tackle, one of those three guys we talked about a lot. But then they got the tackle. Yep. They got the first offensive player. They got the guy who was the highest-rated player on their board, the guy if they would have picked first, they would have chosen first. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, all that instability that we talked about last year, 13 offensive lines in 17 games, all the different people who have started at left tackle since Jordan Gross retired – there's an opportunity now for all that to settle down a little bit. And suddenly, what was instable all last season, now look, instable or unstable? Unstable. Unstable. Anyway, I just made up a word. Um, <laughs> and I word for a living. Um, 
what was not great, Bob, last year is suddenly looking like an area of depth. Yeah, I mean, you think it, you think that word is now in play depth. I mean, you Brady Christensen, right. Deontay Brown, Michael Jordan, all of these guys, Cameron Irving, you know, that can now be used. Kind of what they were, Pat Elfline and Bradley Bozeman, yeah. Austin Corbett. You know, all of these guys in there that can be used as, as depth, that can be used in different places, but you have this group that can start and be really good. Yeah. I mean, they went through stretches last year, and no offense to any of these guys who have worked hard to try to achieve their dream of playing in the NFL, but they were literally dragging guys in off the street last year to have seven or eight dressed for a game. Yeah. And they, some of the people they dragged in – Tested positive for COVID and never saw the light of day. And you had to turn them around and bring somebody else in and replace. So last year was on the fly. But now, after going out early in free agency, you know, when you when you stand up and say, our priority this offseason is fix an offensive line, you go out and sign Brett, uh, Austin Corbett day one of free agency. It's like, okay, here's a guy who started every game for the Super Bowl champions last year at guard. So – Good step. Then you get Bozeman on a cheap one-year deal when his market doesn't develop the way you, he thought it might. Mm-hmm. And those are two pretty good pieces in the middle. And then you add Ike Aquanu to that. And now all of a sudden, as you said, you're imagining guys, guys who were just written in the starting lineup as best-case scenario are now competing for backup jobs. Yep. So – they're in a much better spot. And when you talk about those three big additions, then plug in a sixth-rounder like Cade Mays, throw him in the group with Deontay Brown, Michael Jordan, you know, I think Pat Elfline. You know, all of a sudden the second line is almost as good as what the first line was at times last year. And right. that's probably a little bit of a stretch. But um, it is a it is definitely a better offensive line situation than it was a year ago. And if that's all that happened on draft weekend, you take it and you run. And you don't apologize and you're just gleeful for the rest of the spring. Darren, for those that haven't, and I assume everyone that is dedicated to the Happy Half Hour has read every single word of it. Of course. But you wrote about 18,000 words. <laughs> All of the words. All I of the used words. every word in the English language at one point in that story. You really did. And for those that haven't read it or read it and still want to hear about it, give me something that you pulled out of that night or those sets of nights that you were able to put into that story that you know really kind of encapsulates what you saw and what you experienced and you know really to kind of give our readers a look into that draft room. I think if, if you... <laughs> If you've ever had the opportunity to witness what happens in that room and all the, and not just that night while they're on the clock during the draft, but in the weeks leading up to it, probably the word that gets tossed around the most is conviction. Hmm. And, and do you have conviction about this guy? And we sort of, in talking about offensive tackles before the draft, we talked about Aquanu and Evan Neal and Charles Cross as like this unit of human beings like right. pick one from column a sure. and that's what it would be but icky was the guy everybody in that room loved i mean it's like like him like him really like him sort of thing mm-hmm. and it, it kind of fell that way with matt corral as well i mean there were there were quarterbacks in parentheses there were a group of quarterbacks that we talked about in mass a lot but Corral was kind of the guy that separated himself in the minds of 
the evaluators in the minds of the coaches because of some of the things he can do. I mean, he's got a unique ability to get the ball out in a hurry. And, and we're still waiting to see what the Ben McAdoo mm-hmm. offense looks like. But I think in general, based on what he did in New York and the success he had calling plays for Eli up there before he became the head coach, um, I think we can generally assume it's going to be a lot of first read, second read, boom, boom, get it out. Get it out quick, keep it moving, put it in the hands of guys like D.J. Moore who can make a play, like Christian McCaffrey who can make a play, and let them get out in space and do their thing. Uh, Matt Corral's ability to get the ball out quick suggests that that could be a fit. Now, they're not going to rush Matt Corral. Sure. In fact, everything from the moment they go through that process, decide on Matt, draft Matt, the first words out of their mouth were, Sam Darnold's going to open the season and start. Yep. Got to play today, Sam's a starter. Now, Matt's going to have chances. I mean, everything around here is going to be competitive. That's just kind of the culture they want to have. But – there's no rush. I mean, if Matt Corral is not ready to go in week one against fill in the blank, um, they'll start Sam and, and kind of bank on some of the things they were talking about last year, which is put playmakers around Sam. They've certainly protected Sam a lot better now mm-hmm. than they did a year ago uh, with the people they put in place. So you you can kind of – it gives Matt Corral an opportunity to, to bed down. But that conviction – was real. I mean, it was not once you see it and once you talk to those guys in the build up to the draft, when you're picking sixth, you can't lock in on one guy. You can't say, oh man, if I could. Now, and that's what I asked Scott at the owners' meetings about a month before the draft. I said, if you're picking one instead of six, who's your guy? And he was like, oh yeah, Icky. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was without a doubt. And I think as you talk to coaches, as you talk to people, who were down in that room, they felt kind of the same way about Corral. Like, among that group, that was the one right there. That's the one we want. And there's, you know, not to put any more pressure on Icky than there already is, because there probably is a lot. You know, hometown guy, NC State, you know, this Panther fan growing up, went to Providence (laughs) Day. You know, all all these these things that are kind of endemic with what Icky is. But the thing that people kept talking about was, you know, from your story that this – personality of leadership yes. this this taking on of the responsibility to lead others mm-hmm. from his position which is not always the case for right. offensive linemen and you know it's hard for a 21 22 23 year old rookie to come in to a locker room and say all right like I'm going to help turn this around but I think if anyone has the gumption or has the ability to kind of step in and be at least be a part of it, if not the guy, but to be a part of leading. Right. I think it's him. And it is a lot of pressure. I mean, because of all that buildup and all the time that's passed, you know, it is tempting to say, all right, kid, go be Jordan Gross. Right. Exactly. You know, play hard. Yep. That's a pretty big job we've just asked you to fill right there to, you know, replace a Hall of Honor guy. And, and if there is – Based on what we know about him right now, based on what we've seen at NC State, he does have that characteristic of this ain't too big for him. He does lead people. You know, everybody, the other thing they all say about Icky, all the scouts, and that and that was one of my favorite parts of that kind of behind-the-scenes story is talking to four layers of scouts. You know, the guys mm-hmm. who see him progressing up the ladder as this thing goes on, 
and every one of them use the phrase tone setter, yeah. tone setter. Icky's a tone setter. And, and he's mean, and he enjoys putting people on the ground. Mm-hmm. And he he plays violently, which is one of those coach words. <laughs> um, but it, he enjoys to dominate people. I remember at the Combine, he talked about growing up as a Panther fan, watching the Panthers, and he and he talked about Steve Smith dominated people physically. Yep. Well, Steve is much different in terms of size than Icky, but they dominated people in different ways. But he's got that vibe. I think it's real, and we'll see. I mean, nobody ever wants to turn a rookie into a leader. You know, Taylor mm-hmm. Moten's sitting in that room, and he'd yep. been pretty good at this for a minute. So, you know, that's kind of the personality of that room right now. But I think adding somebody like that, adding a little bit of edge mm-hmm. to that group, is certainly something they needed because Corbett and Bozeman are both long-term starters for great franchises. I mean, Rams just won a Super Bowl, the Ravens' most consistent team in the NFL probably for the last 20 years, who are built on running the ball. And those are nice, but this is a different personality. This is that kind of lead dog personality that they just introduced to the room. And and I think that's what, you know, I had people in personnel tell me over the offseason, we need a – fill in the blank word you can't say on a family podcast, but we need one of those. And they may have gotten one. And as you talked about on the Thursday before all this stuff went down, they may be, they're getting one back on the defensive side of the ball in a way that's almost like another first-round pick. It's almost like you're adding J.C. Horn, sure. who's this lead dog kind of guy, back in the room yet again this offseason. Oh, by the way, J.C. Horn. And and it is almost like a bonus draft pick because he only plays three games last year. And and he is he's also got that kind of burns-hot personality. I mean, it's not as visible because of his job description. He doesn't put people on the ground the same way Icky does. But when you see him out on the field, it's easy to point to J.C. Horn and say, that one over there, that one's different. Mm-hmm. The, the other kids are not like that. And just out there watching during off-season workouts now, I mean, they're out there on the field a little bit, and there was a scene this week where somebody threw a ball and J.C. just sort of casually twists his body about 270 degrees around <laughs> and pulls one out of the air one-handed. And I'm reenacting this in the studio. It's like <laughs> theater of the mind. You have to believe you're seeing it. But he just casually does this incredible body control move where he torques himself around and reaches behind him and catches the ball one-handed. And it's like, yep, could use one of those. Everybody could. So um, you hope that – and, again, it was kind of interesting. It did get lost a little bit in the course of the draft weekend, and you sort of knew it would. But talking to him about his rookie season – was a little bit of an eye-opener because it does remind you of, oh, hey, that's a pretty good one coming back. Mm-hmm. And you just hope everybody stays healthy and he can deliver on it this year. As we say this on Wednesday morning, we're in the midst of probably maybe two to three days of of the things that are big things that really aren't things at all. Ha! And so I, I'm curious of like Darren's draft of the things we do that don't matter. Between rookie jersey numbers – rookie minicamp, and schedule release. All of these things happening in the next three days that are going to get you all of the clicks on your website so you can do the business. Yeah, man. That, like, it's I, you said the other day, like, schedule release, we've known these right. matchups 
for at least four years. Like we know who they're gonna play, and then we added one more, and it's like, oh, cool, that's 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 fun. Let me let me preface this all by saying schedule release is a huge deal, and you should absolutely spend the next seventy two hours of your life on Panthers.com and the Panthers app to find the latest information and entertainment regarding this life changing event. The, it, I would trade schedule release day for a seventh round pick. Wow! And I don't value seventh <laughs> round picks. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of. I, I guess having done enough of them, I'm sort of still in disbelief that this is a thing. It's like mm-hmm. the NFL has turned this into a tent pole event. We already know who the Carolina Panthers are playing. We're just finding out when. And it's a huge deal for fans because you book travel schedules. Right. You buy tickets. You plan your fall schedule. You know, my wife's looking at me like, when do I know what weekends right. I have available in the fall? Right. And so those things are all important. But I'm just kind of baffled. I look at it like I watch it the way I would watch a sport in a foreign land played in a language – Played by people who speak a language I do not understand by rules I've never been able to comprehend. I mean, it's just weird to me that people are into this, but, hey, they seem to like it, so must be cool. Um, yeah, and that's coming, and it sort of washes over us like a wave, and it's a huge deal. And from the portions I've seen of our the rollout video. plan, the video. it's going to be amazing. You are going to love this. And this is coming from someone that was actually in the video last year, so I obviously took a lot of pride in that one. But I, I can swallow it to tell you that this one tops it for sure. It's pretty cool. People are going to dig it. I, I don't have any doubt about that. But, yeah, it's scheduled release week. It's rookie numbers week. Matt Corral's number nine. What does that mean to you? Uh, the last quarterback that wore number nine in a regular season game was Rodney Pete. And I say this, and I and I feel secure saying this. This podcast family. I mean, you're like my family. Yeah, we're it's, we're all family. We're we've, all family we've weeded here. out the. I have I have already said this at home. One of the most inspiring sights I've ever seen personally in Bank of America Stadium was Holly Robinson Pete wearing an extremely fitted Rodney Pete jersey to sing the national anthem before a game in '02 or '03, something like that. And it was. Rodney looked at me after the fact. I said, nice jersey. And he said, you like that, did you? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, it's Holly Robinson Pete in your jersey. It never looked quite like that on you, Rodney. But that's what I remember about. So you're saying Matt Corral in a very fitted number nine jersey is going to be something fans will want to see. It might hit different. It might hit different. But I think people will be interested in that, yeah. And And it'll be curious. I mean, I – I'm anxious to see what he looks like on the field. Yeah, because the guy made plays at a high level at Ole Miss. So, and, and that's he, what, and, and he's kind of got that an, another version of that thing we were talking about with Icky that mm-hmm. people follow him vibe. So, and, and that happens on Friday. You know, I remember last year you said you know the main thing you took away as we just kind of talked about when the rookies came out there and you know shorts and t-shirts and hats was J.C. Horn is big. Mm-hmm. He, he you can see him when you look at a, just a bunch of field of dudes. Oh, right. that guy is different. You know, I'll be curious how 
you know, offensive linemen don't do a lot in these rookie mini camps. You know, they're not they're not touching, they're not contacting. Yeah, there's no people. contact. There's no. So yeah, there's what, often not even a defensive line in front of them. Right. So what what will we be looking at and seeing from a corral, from a icky, from I mean, even a guy like Brandon Smith who might need to play a role this year. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious about Brandon Smith to be honest with you because what does he do? I mean, he is a different size human being than a lot of the other linebackers they have around here. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a big old Jamie Collins-sized man in a place where the linebackers have been maybe 230 yeah. over the last couple of years, and he's just this big, you know, long-armed, massive dude who can run. Yeah, And so we've talked a lot about Phil Snow and how he moves people around and matches up and looks for different things. If they can get this guy trained up, now he is more, you know, the back of his football card at Penn State is not full of stuff. Right. Uh, he is athletic. He is toolsy. Let's see if he can play football. Uh, that'll, he hits hard. I've seen some of those hits. Right. I He's mean, physical. That'll be the next challenge. But again, a big old, what is it, 6'4, 250 yeah. body that can run a 4'5, 40, those don't happen a lot. And I, I ask, it's kind of an unfair game sometimes, but when you ask scouts or coaches for comps, you know, and a couple of guys were just scratching their heads because there's just not one sure. that looks like him on this roster or on a lot of rosters, honestly. So I'll be interested to see kind of where Phil puts him and what they ask him to do. And, you know, once they get deeper into OTAs and mini camps and stuff like that, what it looks like. I mean, is he – is he the guy Frankie Louvu is walking around and teaching how to do Frankie Louvu stuff, or is he out here in space and Shaq Thompson's trying to teach him how to be a linebacker and that kind of stuff? So he's an interesting. It, it's an interesting mix, as a lot of those second day guys are. Yeah, and obviously keep it tuned. We have tons of stuff coming for the next couple of days for you. Many exciting developments. <laughs> Click, 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 click them. All of your clicks belong to us. No, it's gonna, it's gonna be fun. I mean, there is mini camp stuff. You know, we can joke about it because I've seen a million football practices in my life, and these are going to be two of them. Um, <laughs> these are two, and it's always. But there's something new. There's a first day of school sure, vibe yeah. about them all every year, where yeah. it's like. Okay, Iki Aquanu has existed as this abstract concept, and now we can point to him and say, hey, that one right there, number 79. Yep. Look at the photographs of him on Panthers.com. <laughs> Do it. Many times a day. All right, Darren, we're going to leave you with this. Um, because you have a lot of sway, I, most of the times I see you wearing your Pro Football Hall of Fame shirt, oh, which shows it. you how much sway you have. Wow. Are you calling Roger today and requesting – when the Panthers' buy is going to be? And if you did, when is the Panthers' buy going to be? Uh, I would ask for it earlier uh, than it has been. Not Christmas like not, it always not been? Not week 13 <laughs> or whatever it's been the last couple of years. Yes, I would enjoy it. Here, here's my wish list. I want a bye week during which I could drive to Boone and watch an Appalachian State football game and there see leaves in a color other than green. There you That's go. my wish list right okay. there. I will try to deliver that. See for if you, you can make that happen. I'll try. In your next meeting, see when that comes up. I have four, so I'll try to do it in one of them. Holy cow.
That's a lot. But, yeah, I would like a little bit earlier by week because when you factor in, this is going to be a long preseason because there's some stuff happening in the preseason in addition to regular old training camp summer sort of stuff. So it's going to be a long haul, and I don't. I would hope to not go to December before weekend off anyway. Yeah. But in our next podcast, we can I can give you my revolutionary scheduling idea that would solve everything. Can't wait. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back in six months. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> to talk about week seven next year in draft. October. Yeah. No, we'll be back sooner than that. I promise. I, I do. We'll, we'll work on it. Thanks, everyone, for sticking with us. Love you guys. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.